This is Swim Success with Music. Yo, what up, music fam? This is Walt. This is Success with Music, and I am your music coach. And I appreciate you guys tuning in and following Success with Music. This is a podcast for singers, musicians, songwriters, beat makers, everyone who is about the music life. We welcome you to the show. And again, my name is Walt. We've been away for a few weeks here, but we're jumping back in to continue on in our music production series. And today I'm going to provide three new production techniques that I use for creating music. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Hey, before we move any further, I want to make a quick announcement. Uh, Success with Music is also is beginning an instruction course. And we're going to start in the classroom here locally, uh, providing digital audio workstation training, production, songwriting, those types of things. But we will be moving this online. So if some of you guys want to jump into our online sessions or potentially stream our local live sessions, go over to our website, which is success with music.com go to the contact area and let us know that you are interested in jumping into our swim class so yeah that'll be starting up here in the brand new year so if you're interested in music if you want to take your production to the next level and go deeper into some of the concepts that we go over in the podcast make sure you check us out at successwithmusic.com there you can check out previous show episodes as well So for today, we're going to get into three new production techniques. So I mentioned in the previous episode that some of the techniques that I'm bringing to you today, they are not laws of music. These things that I'm going to show you today are not things you have to do as a musician or a music creator or beat maker, that type of thing. But these are some things that may give you ideas as to how to go about your personal production. So I believe that seeing how other people go about things, how their workflow is, it just gives you new ideas for what you're doing. And my hope is that you can take what's being said and integrate it into your existing style or setup. Similar to the previous episode, I'm going to play a piece of music that I created. It's a very short piece of music. As I, after I play through this little segment, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna deconstruct it and give you some insight into three things I did here. Now, as you're listening, please make sure that you do not get hung up on the genre. Quite frankly, I'm not sure what kind of genre it is that you're gonna hear. I just threw together a a quick idea to go through some concepts. So again, don't think about this as a how-to for a certain music genre. I don't care what genre you produce or write or sing in. It could be country, rock, pop, electronic, trap what I I don't even care again focus on the concepts all right so let's start from the beginning here I'm going to play this track for you and we're going to go back and talk about a few things all right here we go
All right, so there's the piece there. Um, and again, this is a really rough track. Uh, it has not been, I think, properly mixed, and most certainly it has not been mastered. Um, but again, this is not the <laughs> the episode for that. And we can even talk about that in uh, maybe an upcoming uh, episode for production techniques. And if you're not familiar with the term, you can go, uh, go look it up, mixing and mastering. That's more at the end stages for your music. We're at the beginning where we are creating the idea. And again, I want to look at some building blocks for how I create some of my tracks. Okay, first. I'm going to solo this particular track that played along with everything else that you heard, and I want to go and make a few comments about it, but I'm going to isolate this one track within this little segment to give you some more information. So let me play it for you. That sound is playing throughout the entire music segment. Let me put the all the other instruments back in. See if you can pick it out. It's kind of obvious now, right? Okay, so what's happening there is I am using this kind of uh, airy pad sound or this atmospheric sound uh, in, in the background, I like to use instruments like that to give some like a backdrop for all the other instruments. And I think it fills in the space to where the music sounds a bit fuller. Now, specifically, I am using what they call in music theory an interval. An interval is the distance between one note and another. So I'm using an interval. So in other words, I'm using two notes for that pad or that atmospheric sound here in this music segment. Let me play it for you one more time. I'm gonna isolate it. Here it is. Okay, now this sound, I will admit it does have some uh, additional things in there to kind of give it more texture and more depth, but I'm really just playing two notes, an interval, and actually this is a fifth. And uh, if you studied music theory, hopefully you know what I'm talking about. If you have not studied music theory, all I'm doing is playing a number one note, and I'm going up to the number five note in a particular scale, and that gives me my fifth. So let me play it for you. So I'm playing, this is the first note. And then the next note is up here, And again, there's a lot of kind of undertones in this particular patch or sound, but that's what's happening. You have this note, which is a D, and this note, which is an A. So I'm playing them together. So again, these notes are five spaces apart, or it's a, it's, it's a fifth. So this is playing throughout. I like to use this in a lot of my tracks uh, as a backdrop, as I mentioned. I, I believe it gives it more depth, more meat and more interest. You can even pull this sound way, way, way down in the overall mixture of things or in the mix. And I think it still will have the intended effect to create just a backdrop for the rest of the sound. So let me play the entire music segment for you one more time. And again, you can hear it. 
right here is still there. It's way back in the mix. So at the very end, you can kind of hear it trail off there. It's there throughout the mix. So especially when all the other music kind of comes in, uh, when the, I guess the track kind of goes to that next stage and, um, you know, volume and dynamics, it's still there, that interval sound. And it's further in the back because of the other instruments uh, they're present. But again, I feel like it just gives it a full bodied sound. So the point being is that if you're creating um, slower tracks or faster tracks, I guess in this instance, play around with using intervals in the background. You don't need like full complicated chords. You can just take two notes. I use a fifth in this example, and you can use maybe a pad sound or a string sound or an atmospheric sound or or what have you. I just choose to use something that kind of stretches out and that can um, hang on and be sustained over time without it cutting through too much. Now, one more note, kind of the bonus tip here. If you're not going to use a fifth, I believe another alternative to a fifth is a fourth. So you can use an E and an A. So the distance between an E and an A, just kind of take this at face value here. A natural E and a natural A is this. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, that sounds just like the other one. Well, the other one, which is a fifth, the notes are a little farther, further apart. Let me play the fifth for you. That's the fifth. But as an alternative, I believe you can play a fourth. I'll play it. And I kind of like the fourth more because it adds a bit more character as I'm using the number two note in, in this instance, in the minor scale of D. If I'm losing you, <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't feel bad about it. Just understand that you can just play around with your, your instrumentation and just try to pick out two notes on uh, your keyboard or on your MIDI controller and hold them down to see what kind of combination will work best. I believe if you use too many notes, your track may get a bit complicated and complex and that may take away from it. So a fifth or a fourth, I believe, is just enough to fill in space without potentially interfering with your other instrumentation. All right, let's move on to our next point here. I want to talk about an instrument, I guess it's kind of an instrument, but I used a collection of sounds for somewhat of a melody in this track. Now, if you're not familiar with the the phrase melody, I'm sure most of you've heard melody, but I'll give you my definition. It's the most singable or recognizable part of a tune. So in this particular tune, there are kick drums and there's different percussion things going on. There's like a bass that drops in, like a, a synth bass. But I've used a certain sound that is distinct, repetitive, and something that your ear kind of catches on to. Let me play the track again. See if you can pick out the melody in this song. And this is kind of a trick question and I'll tell you why. But let me play it for you. Here we go.
All right, let me stop right there. Where's the melody in this song? Or what's acting as the singable part of the song? Well, let me isolate the sound for you and I'll tell you what it is. All right, hear it? Here it is. I'll play it for you so you can hear it. That is, in my mind, the melody in this song. Now, I mentioned the words singable. Is that really a singable thing? I guess and no. What I've done in this instance, I used a a layering effect to where I have like a cowbell in there, like this air sound and some other kind of percussive instrument. And that percussive instrument, I assigned it uh, chromatic notes on my keyboard. So in other words, um, a cowbell and these other percussive sounds uh, can play like a key on a piano, essentially. And so because that is the case, I can then go through a series of notes and it feels it seems like it has a tune to it or something that you can kind of whistle to or play along with. And it's in a certain key. So that is the melody in this instance. The thing I want to bring out here is what I just alluded to. I would like to challenge you as a musician and a producer and a beat maker. Sure, you can always use something very clear and easy like a guitar or a lead synth or a piano to or some other instrument, flute, saxophone. You can use those things to have a a melody. But what I did in this instance, I used something atypical to create a melody. So in other words, I used sounds and I tuned those sounds to where they stood in for the place of a melody. So the point is, I like to try to use things that are not typical to create my melody. And as a result, the song itself will have just a slightly different appeal. If I just put like a piano in there to do that, that melody, to me, the song or this tune overall would sound a bit more plainer. And I was looking for something a little bit more on the other side of things. Let me play it back for you one more time. Now, right there towards um, that section or in that section where the volume kind of pushes up a bit and more instruments come in, that melody line, if you will, is still there, but it's kind of pushed down into the mix or behind the other instruments, but it's still recognizable. So as a listener, there's that consistent theme that you can kind of lock your ear onto, though it's not right in your face. And again, using... Uh, these atypical sounds, as I'm calling it, I believe that's a good strategy for keeping your melody in the mind of the listener because you're doing it in a subtle way by using what I see as subtle instrumentation or weird sounds to create this melody. I'm hoping this makes sense. This is a bit more abstract concept, but uh, I'm sure you guys have heard some of this stuff from some of the popular artists out there. I've heard it a ton of times. I heard a track where they did something. I alluded to a cowbell earlier with a cowbell 
or they use a series of blips or beeps, and that becomes the melody. And, and quite frankly, had a lot of that uh, when the the whole dubstep craze was going on. You just had a series of like these weird kind of jagged sounds, and the the accumulation of these sounds became the melody. So the point is, try to think outside of your typical instruments or your typical patches on your keyboard or in your your digital audio workstations for your melodies try to think a bit further uh, outside of uh, where you've been in terms of sound selection for your melody all right let's move on to our last concept here now this is kind of kind of skewing towards the mixing part of the music uh, meaning how all of the the instruments are going together now this song as i said before is quite rough uh, it's not finished in, in any stretch by any stretch. But when we start talking about mixing and how the sounds go together as a musician or as a producer, you're trying to figure out, hey, when someone ultimately listens to the song, what do I want them to feel? What kind of experience will they have? So I'm going to kind of move in that direction just a bit with this next tip. Now, I like to have a mixture of dry sounds and wet sounds when I am creating music. So dry, wet, what in the world am I talking about? Well, you've probably seen these words, if you think about it, in your digital audio workstation, if you use one. This is especially true when you're dealing with things like delay. And today I wanna focus on reverb or some other type of effect like chorus or what have you. Dry and wet. If you experiment with that, with your sound effects uh, plugins on your digital audio workstation, you'll realize that the more you turn your dial or your slider, your fader towards dry, the plainer and less echoey or less um, exciting, potentially, the sound is. And the more you move in the wet direction is the more you provide more of that particular sound effect if it's again delay or flange or chorus a chorus sound it becomes really 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 thick and heavy and it's pretty obvious when you start sliding in that direction here's the point for my tip here when i am putting down my various instruments in this music segment some instruments are completely dry they have zero zero uh, reverb and delay or effect on them. And there are other instruments I purposely make them a bit wetter with various types of sound effects. For today, as I mentioned before, I'm using reverb to make some of the sounds a bit wetter. So I'm gonna play this track one more time, not the whole thing. See if you can pick out some of the dry and wet sounds. And then I'm gonna go back and isolate these dry and wet sounds, and you're gonna hear a very, very clear demonstration of what I'm talking about. Let me go back and play it for you. Here we go.
so all the instruments are kind of going together and it's really hard it may be hard to pick out the dry and the the wet sounds inside of the mix but I, i'm sure you were able to hear uh just a a few elements in there that that were dry and wet now before i go further into this why worry about having a mixture of dry and wet again this is how i produce my music the reason why i have a combination of dry and wet sounds is to create depth in my mix in my sound if everything has reverb on it or if everything is dry I feel that it makes your music and the sound of your music collectively very one dimensional. But when you add mixture, a mixture of sounds within your song, I believe that it creates more depth and more interest. And it seems less like a cut and paste scenario, like you just grabbed a sample and just looped it. But you took the time to get in there and to put things in strategic places to accommodate that listening experience or to enhance that listening experience. So that is why I like to use a combination of dry and wet sounds. It gives your music more interest. It gives it more character in my estimation. Now, before I play the dry and wet portions of this music, let me give you guys um, an example of the difference or the, the comparison between a dry and wet sound. I'm going to just play a sound effect for you. Um, and it's, this is just a percussion sound. And I uh, forget what kind of sound this is. This is more like a, some kind of a shaker sound. I'm going to play, for, play it for you. And it's going to be a dry shaker sound. Take a listen. There it is. That's a shaker. I'll play it one more time. So when the sound plays, as soon as it's done, there's dead silence. There's nothing kind of hanging on. There's nothing stretching the sound out. There's no echo. There's no delay. There's nothing like a millisecond behind that sound. It's just over and done with. Let me play it one more time. All right, there you go. Now, in this instance, in what we're talking about for today in terms of the uh, the wet part of the mix here. I'm going to throw reverb on that same sound you heard. Now, I'm going to go and exaggerate it by like a crazy amount to give you a difference between a dry sound and a wet sound and I'm I'm putting the um uh, the reverb on this, the reverb plugin to really accentuate this dry sound to where you, it's going to sound very echoey. So, one more time on the dry and then I'm going to immediately play the wet. So, here's the dry and here is the wet. Very different sound. One more time, dry. Here is wet. If you think about it, and when you're listening to both these sounds, they are almost, well, they're so different that they, they don't sound like the same thing. Uh, in essence, and that's another a part of uh, me bringing this up. If you use the right, well, again, this is a, a lot of reverb. I make a huge amount of reverb. If you use the right amount of wetness in your track, you can transform it from just one thing to the other. You know, of course, based off of the the style of music that you're producing. But again, there's a vast difference between that dry sound and that wet sound. So let me play it one more time. Here's the dry version of it. 
And here's the wet version of it. Completely different. Now, that wet sound, again, it's kind of way overboard. I'm going to scale it back just a bit to where it's not so far out there. Here's another wet version of it, but it's not as big and grand. Yeah, that still sounds kind of big. Let me scale it back just a bit more. I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Let's try this one more time. Let me let me move this down substantially, see if we can get a bigger difference here in sound. There we go. That sounds like something happening in a small little room or almost a closet. Whereas the other one sounded as though you're in some crazy, long, spacious echo hall. That's a bit bigger. Sounds like a larger room or a basement type of sound. All right, I'm not going to go further into the different types of reverb here. The point is, I simply wanted to give you a clear example between wet and dry. So let's go back to that track here. And I'm going to give you the dry portions of the track and then the wet portion. So to, to make today's episode a bit easier, I took all of my instruments and I routed them into a bus or into like a kind of a folder. And so all the dry stuff that you're gonna hear right now, it's all together. And mainly you're gonna hear percussion and uh, looks like my synth bass. So let me play those portions of the track only. And mind you, they are all ultra dry. Take a listen. There you go. That that is the dry portion of the track. So when you heard or the song, when you heard the song earlier, those dry things, as you just heard them, that's how they're playing in the overall mix and the collection of sound there. And so that's what's going on. Now, let me play the wet portions of this track for you, the parts that actually contain uh, reverb. So now what you're going to hear is only instrumentation that has some level of reverb in them. And you may hear some other stuff like uh, some small delay. Here we go. So when you hear that, especially as it gets towards the end, it has this bigger open, uh, it has a bit, has this bigger, more open sound to it, like a larger, grander sound. Whereas the dry instruments, they seem to be very dull and kind of just uh, restricted to a certain degree. But again, if you put them together, now you have things that are kind of operating in different aspects of the sound spectrum, if I can call it that. I'm kind of making up stuff. Uh, 
but collectively they just work together. So let's take a cruise through this music segment one more time and listen for both together. Take a listen. There it is. So again, try to play around with that um, and, uh, you know, go through some of the other concepts I mentioned today. Even if you don't want to use some of the things I mentioned as regular things that you do in your music, meaning with the uh, the whole melody thing, using different sounds for your melody or your intervals, just try playing around with them on a sample song just to practice different ways of doing things. The more you can do that, the the more diverse your production and songwriting skills will be. And I'm telling you, man, you will see more success in this music game. Yo, I appreciate you guys checking us out for subscribing to the podcast and following us. And uh, make sure you go over to our website. Check out what we're doing with our digital audio workstation classes and training again they're happening locally in our city but we are expanding them online so if you guys want to jump in join in send us a message go over to successwithmusic.com sign up send us a message let us know that you're out there and we'll try to include you in on any communications about our swim classes as we're calling it yo i appreciate it make sure you subscribe to the podcast so as we drop new content You are the first to get it. Hey, I appreciate the love. We'll check you on the next episode.